Now, if you were with us last week, we began a consideration of the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Galatians. And you remember that uh, it is that letter in which the Apostle Paul, to put it mildly, is not happy as he writes this letter to the Galatians. Now, Galatia was not a city, it was a region, and there were various cities in that region. And if you read the first and second and third missionary journeys that the Apostle Paul undertook, the very first place that he visited as a missionary were the churches in Galatia. Now, a number of years later, the Apostle Paul heard the message, and the message was that uh, the churches in Galatia were turning to another gospel, they were turning to another message. And, and he obviously was not happy. He was very, very unhappy. And so he writes the letter, and he expresses his displeasure to these Christians, and he says that they are turning away from the grace of Christ and they are turning to a different gospel. That, that is his concern when he is writing these words in Galatians. So the first thing that we saw is the Apostle Paul himself Remember the Apostle Paul, how he got converted. And um, the story of the conversion of the Apostle Paul has been recorded in the book of Acts three times. In chapter 9, in chapter 22, and in chapter 26. I have said it before but please bear my repetition, that that story has not been repeated because of lack of space, of things to fill in the Bible as it is being written. The, the, the fact of its repetition is to remind us that this is a very important story. Not only is it been repeated three times in the book of Acts, but in a number of other epistles, the Apostle Paul alludes to that story in summary form. And uh, Galatians chapter 1 is one of those places where he alludes to that story. So read with me, beginning in verse 11 of Galatians and chapter 1. It says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it 
and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They, were, they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Now that's the story of the Apostle Paul in summary of how God in his grace rescued this man. So once again this morning what we're going to do is just look at three things that are quite obvious in that portion that we have just read. The first thing being the Apostle Paul before he was converted. And then his conversion and then the Apostle after <coughs> conversion. Just those three things that uh, will occupy our time this morning. Now, as I said last Sunday, I think that the best way to think of the story of the conversion of the Apostle Paul is to begin at the stoning of Stephen. Because that's there, we are told in Acts chapter 8 that all the people who were stoning Stephen, they were laying their garments at the feet of Saul. And then it tells us what Saul was doing. And the question that we always have to ask ourselves is when you find Saul at the stoning of Stephen and then somebody was said to you, this man is going to be the greatest apostle, the greatest evangelist of the Christian faith. Imagine yourself there when Stephen is being stoned and there is Saul of Tarsus acknowledging that it is a just thing to kill this man, Stephen, because he is preaching the gospel of Jesus. And this man, who is consenting, who is accepting, who is happy, that Stephen is being thus murdered 
that this is the man who is going to be the greatest evangelist the world has ever known. You are going to say, no, that is a pipe dream. Nothing like that can happen at all. Because, as we are told, this man was a violent man. If he lived in our day and age, we would call him a terrorist. This man was a terrorist. He was committed to the cause of destroying and stamping out Christianity from not just Israel, not just the Middle East, from the entire world. That was his aim in life, to remove Christianity from this world. Because as far as he was concerned, Christianity was a lie and Jesus was fake. And he hated Jesus. And that's what he tells us in his testimony. I persecuted the church of God violently. I tried to destroy it. That was his aim, and he did not even hide that idea. His aim was to destroy the Christian faith. He hated Jesus. He was not interested in Jesus. He had no time for Jesus. The only thing that was interesting is that although he hated Jesus, Jesus was looking for him. And that is why on that day when he was on the road to Damascus with these ideas to try and destroy Christianity from the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ finally decided to meet this man. And we are told that two things happened here. First of all, there was a bright light that came upon Saul. A light brighter than the noonday sunlight. That's the light that struck him. And as that light you know, struck him, we are told that the Apostle Paul fell to the ground. And he became blind. He became blind in order that he might see. Because when he was seeing, he was blind. And then he heard a voice. The voice of the one whom he hated. The voice of the one whom he thought was fake. The voice of the Savior, Jesus, calling him with love compassion. So, why are you persecuting me? And so heard that voice. A voice that he never would have expected to hear the entire of his life. That's the voice that he heard. The voice of the Savior pleading with him But on that day, the Savior 
said, I am coming in, Paul. I am going to rescue you from your hatred of me, your hatred of God's people. I am going to rescue you from your blindness. And I am coming in. The Lord Jesus Christ invaded the life of Saul. The Lord Jesus Christ changed the life of this man. He changed his heart. He changed his mind. And Paul became a humble and willing disciple of the master that he once hated. That Jesus whom he hated, he now loved. That Jesus whom he thought was fake, he now believed was the only savior for sinners. And Paul began to seek that Jesus in prayer. He began to call upon his name that Jesus would have mercy on him and cleanse him and forgive him because what he did, he says, he did it in ignorance. He did not know. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who is merciful and gracious and kind, he forgave all his sin and completely changed this man. And we see the evidence of the change because we are told that he did not waste any time. As soon as he became converted, what was he doing? He began preaching. Preaching the same Jesus that he had once tried to destroy. And he was so determined to preach the gospel that somehow when he was preaching the gospel in Damascus itself, it appears that he must have, you know, ruffled feathers and made people unhappy and they wanted to arrest him. And it purely by the grace and mercy of God that he escaped that dragnet. They dropped him off the wall in a basket and that's how the Apostle Paul was saved. So he, who had once hated the Lord Jesus, here he is right now in Damascus preaching the Lord Jesus. The one who did not want anything to do with the gospel, he now so loved the gospel, he was willing to preach it even if it meant he was going to be arrested. And God's people gathered around him and he escaped that dragnet in Damascus. And he tells us that he did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I went away into Arabia and I returned again to Damascus. So he was not happy to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this teaches us something that's very important for us to remember. It teaches us Christianity is a religion of people who are converted. Just like Paul was converted, of course, his conversion was very dramatic. 
and in many of other Christians, the conversion is not as dramatic as the Apostle Paul, but nonetheless, just as God saved Paul, transformed his life from one who hated God, who hated the Lord Jesus Christ, to one who now loves God, loves the people of God, and is willing to die for Christ. That is what it means to be converted. Conversion is that wonderful change that God works in the hearts and lives of any sinner. It doesn't matter the depth of sin to which they have gone. They may be like the Apostle Paul who was a murderer, who was a terrorist. God's grace is so abundant that even a man like Paul was completely transformed. Now, if you are here this morning, maybe you have not gone as far as the Apostle Paul to actually murder people. Or you may have murdered people. I want you to know that such is the abundance of the grace of God that even you can be transformed just like the apostle was. Here is a sample of what God in grace can do. And that is why the apostle Paul was committed as a preacher. He was committed as an evangelist because he knew that what God had done in his life, he can do in the lives of countless others. And so he took that message of the gospel wherever God led him. And his message was this. Look at what I was. The kind of person that I was. God had mercy on me. God bestowed his grace upon me. And I'm here to tell you that God is gracious. He can save even you. Elsewhere, he calls himself the chief of sinners. In other words, by that he means, I mean, I have gone too far. Speaking humanly, there is no hope for a man like this. But those things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And God, in his grace rescued this man and made him an example of what he can do to save sinners. Now, if you're here, for instance, you've been praying for a, a family member and sometimes you feel there is no hope. You know, I, I want you to be encouraged this morning because just when you think there is no hope, just when you think it can't happen, then God will surprise you with his grace. He saves those who are unsavable in the sight of men and women. Those whom we think, no, not that one. That one. No, not that one. Those are the ones God is pleased to rescue in his grace and to transform them so that at the end of the world, they will be the trophies of his grace. 
they will be able to bring glory to God because they will say, if it was up to me, I would have gone to hell. It is purely because God is rich in mercy that he revealed his son to me and he also revealed his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And then he says, people hadn't met me in person for years. They only used to hear the story. And this was a very interesting story. The guy that had tried to destroy us, to destroy Christianity, he is now busy preaching the faith. And he says, they glorified God because of me. That's what happens to you when you become converted. People who knew you, when they now meet you, they give thanks to God because they remember who you were. They know, not that guy. I mean, there are people who are not that guy. And when they see what God in grace has done in your life, they glorify God. Because they know it's not a human being who could have achieved that change. It is the amazing grace of Almighty God. He says, I was a violent man. I was a persecutor. I hated the church. I hated Christians. I had no interest and no time for Jesus. But Jesus came anyway. And he saved me. And cleansed me. And changed me. So that no longer is he just not Saul of Tarsus anymore. Now he is the Apostle Paul. A choice servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice also something important that the Apostle Paul says. You see, when he became converted, he realized, actually, God has been pursuing me all my life. Look at what he says there in verse 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He could see God's fingerprints all over his life. He didn't know it at the time. But now as a Christian, as he looks back, He says it was God's hand that was guiding everything in his life until he came to that point on the road to Damascus face to face with the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's just the simple truth of the Bible. If you're a Christian today, I want you to know your Christianity does not come by accident. God has had his eye upon you. Even before you were born. 
He appointed who your parents would be. He appointed the place of your birth. He appointed the circumstances of your life and where you would be until you encountered that gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and you are rescued. You are delivered. You believe in Jesus for the salvation of your soul. All those circumstances, it was God superintending each one of them. That's the reason why we read in Exodus chapter 2. You remember the circumstances that surrounded the birth of Moses. There had been a decree from the Pharaoh. Every Hebrew son who is born must be thrown into the Nile. And the parents of Moses believed God. When this child was born, they believed God. They committed him to God. And they trusted that God would do everything for his own honor and glory. And yes, God was at work in the life of Moses. One day he said to the daughter of Pharaoh, it's time to go for a swim. She probably had not been thinking about swimming that day, but God said, hey, it's time for a swim today. And then she goes to go and swimming. Then there was that basket there. She saw that basket and God says to her, Tell one of these girls to go and find out what's there. And one of those attending girls, they go. And as soon as they open that basket, then God said to Moses, cry now, cry. And Moses started bawling out as a baby can do. And then she says, yeah, it must be one of these Hebrew children that they were throwing into the Nile. God say to her, take him, he's your baby. And right at that moment, then God spoke to Miriam, now go and ask the question. And Miriam goes and says, would you like me to go and find somebody who can nest the baby? Oh yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> God is working the whole thing because he's got his hand on Moses. And what Paul is saying here is that God has in fact been working all along. Paul didn't see it. He didn't know it. He was busy, full of hatred. He was being a terrorist. God was working until he brings him face to face with the Savior. And that is what God has been doing. Maybe you've never thought about it that way. There were two young people and God said to them, fall in love today. And they decided they were going to have a baby. And that baby was you. And God says, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. Now I'm going to make sure at the right age I call that person to myself. And so every circumstance in your everything that happened and surrounded you, it was God's 
overruling providence in charge until when the time is ripe says he must come in now and he sent that preaching and he sent the Holy Spirit who works conviction in your soul and causes you to see your desperate need of a savior you cry out to him save me all I die and then he saves you and become his child and he does this because his end game is to bring glory and honor to his name. That at the end of the world, he is going to parade all his children so that in them we may be able to see how rich in grace God is. And all the glory goes to him alone. That's the story of the Apostle Paul. This is why he is so angry, if you can allow that word, that people are beginning to listen to a message that is different from the gospel. And he says, if you listen to this message, you are actually deserting God. And he uses the word that's used in the military when someone becomes a deserter. That's how serious it is. When someone, they've gone into war, and suddenly this guy disappears. They're looking for him, he's nowhere to be seen. He is a deserter. And when they catch up with him, you can be sure he is going to get what is deserving. Paul is telling us here, if you're listening to any other message other than this message that calls you to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, you have deserted God. It's not just a simple thing that you feel, well, you know, I believe in Jesus I also need to be baptized. Or rather, I need to be circumcised. The Apostle Paul is warning. It's a completely different message that you're listening to. And it means you are deserting God. It means you are abandoning the true and living Savior. And he says to the people, don't do it. Don't listen to anyone. Even if the person who comes is an angel, don't pay attention because there's only one message. There's only one gospel. And it is a message that comes from God in Christ. And it's the only message by which sinners are saved. Men and women, boys and girls, are converted to Christ. Now, conventional wisdom tells us that uh, 
there is no difference. No, uh, all religions are seeking the same thing. Uh, absolute nonsense. You know, we could spend a lot of time about that, but I'll just mention one thing. There is something that makes Christianity unique. Of all the religions, and I can commend you to go and study, Christianity is the only religion that talks about grace. No other religion will tell you anything even remotely similar to that. It is only in the Christian faith we are taught that there is a hope for a terrorist like Paul. There's hope for a terrorist, for a murderer, for a blasphemer, for a violent man like Paul. There is hope. It's only the Christian faith that tells you that message, that tells you that the creator of the world came into this world as a human being and he went to the cross to die for the ones who were insulting him. Every other religion is trying to teach you how you can merit the love of that deity after whom you are studying. It's only the Christian faith that has this strange message, this strange method of rescuing sinners from their sin and making them right with God. It says it begins with the God whom you have offended. He is the one who takes the initiative and he becomes a man and as a man, he goes to the cross, and on that cross, he bears the wrath against your sin. And he says, if you place your faith in that dying Savior, you will be forgiven, and you stand before God as if you have never sinned at all. Amen. Not because you have never sinned, but because he counts he credits, he gives to you the righteousness of another, namely the Lord Jesus Christ. And he becomes your righteousness. He becomes your standing. He becomes your acceptance before God. Again, I commend you to study. No other religion will tell you. Every religion has some kind of self-effort so that you can merit the love or acceptance of the God that, that is proclaimed in that religion. But here is one. Here is one that says, come just as you are. The only fitness requires of you is to see your need of a savior. And that savior Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen Lamb of God. That's the only way to be saved. And then 
unless you are saved in that way, you are not saved at all. But if you come to Jesus, just as you are, without one plea, trusting in him, looking to him, calling upon his name, you will be saved even now. And the good news is that you don't even have to walk the aisle you don't even have to come and stand before me and repeat some kind of magic prayer. Wherever you are, if you see your need as a sinner, you can cry to Jesus. Be Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive and cleanse and pardon me. That's all there is to it. He is going to save you and cleanse you. Because we have his promise. He who calls on me. He who comes to me. I will in no wise. Cast out. That's the greatest good news you've ever heard. That's the best news you've ever heard. The offended God. Comes to us in Jesus Christ. And he forgives our sins. And he accepts us as righteous for the sake of Christ. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away our sin. That is the gospel. Believe it. Cling to it. And it will take you to heaven. If you ignore it, it would be better that you had never been born in this world than that you hear this great, grand, glorious news and you ignore it. Because the wrath of God on that day, when it comes on you, God is going to say, your blood be upon your own head. Because you heard the invitation. You heard the good news. But you ignored it. You thought to yourself, maybe not today. Maybe another day. And you know, you can only say that if you know when the day you're going to die. Because you don't know when you're going to die. That's why the Bible says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today is the day of the gospel. Tomorrow is the day of the devil. Today you have God's invitation given to you freely. Tomorrow is not promised to anybody. We only have today to accept, to embrace, to believe that message so that Jesus would be honored and glorified in your life. That men and women, when they meet with you, they look at you, they talk about you, they will give glory to God because they can see what God in grace has done.
Let us pray.